Hello, everyone. Welcome to another episode of Catfish Weekly. This is Catfish Weekly 35. Uh, tonight we're going to be talking tournament strategies, and we have a special guest of uh, Casey Tudoro and John Lamaster, uh, both Indiana boys fishing here in my home state. Uh, probably the top, one of the top teams definitely in the state of Indiana for, for tournament catfish angling. So uh, um, definitely a treat to have them on. Hope, hopefully uh, we get a little bit of information out of them tonight and and uh, maybe help somebody else's game a little bit. But uh, we also have with us uh, Chuck Davidson, which just dropped out, but we'll get him back in here. Lyle Stokes, myself, Chris Wallace, a.k.a. FUD. So uh, I'll go ahead and hand it off to Lyle, and I'll try to get Chuck back on here so you can start us off there, Lyle. All right, bud. Hey, guys, glad to have you on the show tonight. Um, I just wanted to ask you a few things. Um, when you guys are uh, pre-fishing to get ready for a big tournament or uh, monthly tournaments or whatever, uh, you know, is, is, do you look at everything the same way, whether it's a big tournament or, or uh, just a monthly tournament in your local club or whatever? Uh, I, yeah, we definitely look at it the same way. Um, sometimes, I guess, the... Preparation might be a little different, you know. Uh, some of the bigger tournaments, we might take an extra day or two off of work to get down there, especially if it's a good distance away. We live in Indianapolis, so you know, for us to even get to the Ohio River, it's a two, three-hour drive to get down there. And uh, but we look at it the same way. We always want to make sure we have the fresh bait we can. We put a lot of our time into bait more than anything before the tournament, I'd say. When when you were uh, when you're pre-fishing, getting ready to go on a uh, Thursday or Friday before tournament, and you're out on the river looking around. Are you looking for fish, or are you looking for structure, or are you looking for something else? Uh, a, a lot of times we'll, we'll truly we we uh we'll go to a different spot on the river if we know we're gonna fish 50 miles upstream. We'll go down and we'll just kind of check out some of the fishing around there, and uh, we'll do a lot of our bait fishing, and then we might you know make a couple. Or make a couple anchors and some bends and just uh, try and figure out where the fish are at, whether they're going to be in the deeper water or on the ledges or in the mussel beds, those kinds of things. Okay, okay, good deal. So you spend a lot of time with uh, uh, bait preparation. Um, uh, do you use mainly skipjack herring and shad, or do you use moon eye and stuff, and does that, is it... Uh, does it make a difference on what time of the year, what kind of bait you're using? You know, typically, you know, we depending on the type of season, you know, like earlier in the spring, you know, we kind of change up our bait situation, you know, typically shad. Um, you know, in the fall, we really like to fish with skipjack. And, you know, in the summertime, we kind of keep it with the moon eye if we can get them. You know, it, it can be a very difficult fish to catch. Yeah, around here it's the same way. Uh, certain times of year you can find one thing and not not the other, but uh, um, do you, you try to keep it live or you keep it froze or on ice or uh, just how you go about keeping your, your bait fresh? Um, yeah, we typically always, you know, keep them really iced down. Um, that's a big thing. Casey's always on me, like, you know, go get another bag of ice. It's you definitely... No water in the cooler. You can't. You got to keep them out of the water. and uh, it, it depends what you have, too, like uh, the shad... You know, if I'm going to fish with shad, I'm catching it the day before. I'm catching it the night before. If I'm going fishing in the morning, I'm catching it at 9, 10 o'clock at night. I'm trying to keep it as fresh as I can, you know, and then the skipjack, uh, we're going to vacuum seal those. 
and then the moon eye we can keep fresh on ice. We try and do that. And that that's our bait in the in the spring or in the fall, in the summer. So that's what we're going after now. But get Jack in the before the spawn and then shad the rest of the year. Cool. The um, this year at Monsters they're having a deal where you've got uh, you're uh, allowed one fish. Uh, over 35, if I understand this right, per person, and then you can, that's for blues, and then you're allowed one over 35 flathead, and then whatever the uh, the deal is on the slot, on the uh, channel cat, and I, I know we're uh, supposed to have Aaron Wheatley on next week, kind of clarify some of that stuff, but uh, uh, are you guys going to be going for live bait for the flatheads, or are you going to rely on your cut bait to go after flatheads too? I'll probably just I, I'm gonna I probably won't have any live bait. I'll still just I'm gonna fish for the blues. I think I can catch if I can go out and catch two blues that are 50 50 pounder or 40 pounder that are over the 35 inch rule. I think it'd be hard to beat because the Ohio River is it, it's a tough fishery to go out and try and pull your two blues over 35 and then catch a flathead that's over 35 or a flathead kicker to boot it. it that that do I think. Yeah, I, I'm I'm with you on that. I, I just uh, I know there's flatheads down there, but I don't see uh, I don't see very many people talking about it or posting about them or anything like that. So I'm kind of uh, you know we're gonna spend a few days down there looking around uh, before the tournament ourselves, just simply because we don't uh, we're not familiar with flathead and down there. Now if we was up in this area, it'd be a different situation, but down there it's it's uh, uh, the flathead deal would be be new. Um, uh, you or your equipment that you're using? Uh, can you tell us about what you're using for electronics and stuff? Okay, uh, I have the 1198, the down imaging, side imaging combo. Um, that's really helping me. I got the Mincota, the 50 pound. I think it's a 50 or 60 pound thrust uh, tiller trolling motor. Um, we're using our monster rod holders, and we got an assortment of rods. You know, we've We've had all kinds of different rods, Jim Moyer rods, the E-cats, the tangling catfish rods. We got most of all that. A lot of Abu Garcia and uh, Ambassador reels, a couple pin reels, stuff like that. Um, give most of my credit to the 1198. That's helped us a lot. Yeah, the way talking before the show about you was telling us that, that that's uh, probably your, your uh, number one thing that, that you believe that's helped you guys out. Uh, you know that that's amazing. Um, a lot of guys rely on gut feelings on finding fish or structure or whatever, and, and I'm with you on that. I wouldn't wouldn't trade my bird for anything. They just uh, uh, what they do and, and helping us in tournaments uh, just absolutely uh, blows me away every time I turn it on. So uh, uh, that's that's great. We also talked a little bit about your live well, uh, you know, and you was telling us uh, that it's a pretty good sized live well before the show started. Do you uh, you have aeration in that or oxygen or anything to keep your fish alive? Yeah, I'm running uh, two two bubble boxes. on. A, they're <laughs> pumping into these, I don't know, they're six to seven inch air stones. I'm putting a lot of oxygen in there and I'm circulating water the whole time. And then the summer months, I'm even hooking up another uh, bubble box up to a pump external battery. And uh, it's, they're all 12 volt, all 12 volt pumps. So they're they're pumping a lot of air in there. 
I just constantly change the water. That's the number one thing. If I can just keep that water running through there and changing, I, I hardly ever seem to have a problem keeping fish alive. The yeah, only I've... time they had too much of a problem with uh, keeping fish alive is, and it was actually this year, is we lost a fish, two fish, one in two tournaments, and it was a, uh, it was during the spawn, and the the fish that we caught, they were really tore up, and I'm not sure if they were just so fatigued or, or they they were just really tore up and bloody and and. They were bad fish, so I don't know if you know. Really, is that we put them in the live well, they went belly up. So I don't know if they just the stress from the spawn killed them. But we've we've never really had a problem if we can just keep the fresh water going. Right, right. Now, that's something that Brent really had told me about when we built our last live well. Was uh, uh, keeping different water moving in and out was more important. To, he he believed that it was more important than than circulating water. And and of course we run oxygen and and uh, aeration pumps like you're talking on stones and things but uh, we've got our set up on timers where it runs water out and new water in all the time and, I, and I'm in agreement with that I think that is more important than just having it moving because uh, you know it doesn't get stale or the oxygen never gets depleted completely out of it okay Chuck you got anything for these guys Nope, we ain't got no audio, or we ain't got we got no sound from you, Chuck. You, can you hear me now? Yep. Uh, during the hot summer months, uh, you know, down here in Alabama, the you know the water temps get up 88, 90 degrees. Um, y'all probably don't have quite the problem up there, but during the summer months, during the day tournaments, do y'all uh, bring any uh, you know two-liter Coke bottles that's uh, been frozen into ice or anything like that to help control the water temperature, or do y'all just uh, recirculate out of the lake and try to keep the temps down? We just always, you know, keep the fresh water flowing on them. I don't think we've ever yet used any ice or any bottles or anything like that. And yeah, uh, what's y'all's uh, success rate on, uh, you know, keeping fish alive? I know you know, a lot of times you can't help gut hooks and stuff like that. Are y'all success rate? Uh, are y'all up around 100% now? And uh, y'all think y'all have improved a lot since y'all uh, first started tournament fishing? I've been fishing with Casey for about five or six years now, and that entire time we've only lost three fish. And like I said, I was t like I was saying, two of them were this year during the spawn. And I really, I, I, I wouldn't be surprised if the fish had a heart attack when it come over the side of the boat or something. Because, I mean, I put it in the live well, and it died. And it, that doesn't happen. And then uh, we, we lost one other tournament, a fish one time in a, in a tournament, a Cabela's tournament. Because uh, the fish was actually in the live well, and he had knocked the drain plug out. And the water had ran out, and I didn't realize it. And he had been in there without water for about 30, 45 minutes. But other than that, we... We really str don't struggle at all to keep fish alive. Y'all hadn't had any problem uh, in in rough water beating the fish up, hitting big swells, anything like that. Y'all never had any problems like that. No, we've never really had an issue. You know, sometimes the drain plug comes out, but um, you know, we're on top of it, checking on them, you know, constantly. And you know, we always try to like, you know, keep them alive and you know, keep fresh water on them. So. Awesome. Good job. Uh, Ron, Ron Streeter in chat said to turn a light on so we could see you. <laughs> I got the <laughs> light on. <laughs> but, right, uh, so, go ahead. 
So uh, about the about the only trouble y'all had was uh, the huh. the drain plug. That's about it. So since that's happened, um, y'all are bound and determined not to let it happen again, huh? It's just constantly on your mind now. Oh yeah, the when I when I get those fish in the boat, they're like my babies, man. I'm taking care of them. It's, I'm always checking on them. Definitely. And and it's it's not uncommon for us to keep several fish in the live well. We'll, we'll keep. Sometimes we're catching them real fast, and I don't really call them out. I'll keep eight or nine or ten fish in there sometimes until I I, uh, I get ready. I need to call them out until I know that there's I know where the limit's at, and then I'll start to call them out. But you know that takes time when you're fishing in the tournament, and if the bite's on, it might only be on for two or three hours. Yeah, that's that's right. What you got for them, Chris? Oh, well, we have another question. Uh, Scott in chat is asking you to explain your trolling motor situation. Why do you only use the uh, the uh, handheld, the tiller-style trolling motor? It gives you better control of the boat um, and the mobility of us. You know, it allows, like Casey was saying earlier, you know, when, like, I'm here, the big come back, he can control the boat to where, you know, there's no delay in the trolling motor. And... The iPilot just seems to have a delay to it, and it just doesn't seem like they can hold as well. Like I said, it's a lot of work because you're doing all the you're doing all the trolling motor by hand, and I can go from zero speed to a hundred speed instant instantly, and uh, that that helps. You know, I wish I had an iPilot at times, and that's that's more of a just it's my boat's not equipped for it, and it's just something I haven't come to acquire yet. I've I've actually seen you guys out on the water, and it almost seems to me that if, say, you're controlling the trolling motor, Johnny is pretty much the the fisherman. You know, he's grabbing the poles. I mean, he might hand you one off real quick or something, but you you know, it's it's kind of hard for you to to handle a pole and the trolling motor at the same time, isn't it? Oh yeah, yeah. When uh when we're fishing, uh he he. If he he if I break something off, he's always tying my lines up for me and uh, handing me my rods back. And I'm always fishing two or three rods out the front of the boat, and he's always fishing two or three out the back. And then uh, I'm running the trolling motor. I can keep my rods going while I'm running the trolling motor. But once I hook up on a fish, it's his job to run the trolling motor and and get the fish in the net at the same time. Okay. You know, we were talking about earlier the the current on the Ohio River. It's only running a mile or under right now, so it's a lot of times it's running point three or point four mile an hour. So it's not that big of a deal. We we might get a little bit off of course, but once we get the fish in the net, we can just get right back on course. We have another question from chat too from Seth McAllister. He wants to know if you guys spend most of your time anchored or controlled drifting. Yeah, um, I would say 90% of our fishing is drifting unless there is a lot of current <laughs> or um, you know, sometimes in the early spring, you know, we tend to anchor a lot when the water's a little cooler. Yeah, but not quite as quite as heavy. I like to anchor at the dam. I'm not afraid to anchor at the dam, but I'd rather drift if I'm anywhere away from the dam. Okay. Yeah, I don't, um, who, who basically taught you guys both how to catfish? I mean, who was your, uh, who was your personal trainers there? Taught you uh, everything that, you know. My dad, he, uh, I was, I don't know, I can't remember. I was maybe 10 or 11 years old, and I was pretty good at baseball, and he, uh, it was either play on the all-star baseball team or go and fish tournaments with them. And he told me I had the choice, and I told him, I want to, well, I want to go fish tournaments with them because I grew up, 
bluegill fishing and crappie fishing and just going to the strip pits all the time. And uh, when I was about uh, eight or nine years old, my dad opened a bait and tackle store, and he had that for, I don't know, 12 or 13 years. And uh, that just kept me into fishing all the time. And then we fished tournaments, and Johnny fished with his dad, and uh, that's how we met. And we always just we just kept fishing. And one day, I was 16 or 17 years old, my dad decided he couldn't fish the tournaments anymore. And he, he let me start using all his, his truck and his boat until I could get into my own and do those things. And he, was, he taught me everything I know, and then I took it from myself and taught myself a tremendous amount. He, when I quit fishing with my dad, we really didn't know how to fish on the Ohio River very well or, or uh, anything like that. We, he taught me a lot of reservoir fishing and just the general basics and how to do everything right. And uh, I've taken the Ohio River. I've learned that all. That's all self-taught for the most part. I've been and got beat numerous times by a lot of people, and I just always listen to what people had to say and try new things until I figured out what worked for me. Yeah. What about yourself, Johnny? It's the same for me. Um, ever since I can remember, I was probably five or six years old, and my dad had me out in the creeks wading and, you know, bass fishing. And then, you know, small lakes and ponds, catfishing until he finally got a boat. And then, you know, from there, it just kind of took off. I've been fishing the ICA since I was 13 years old. Um, you know, it's just one of those things that stuck with me. And, you know, I, like Casey said, I, I would almost rather go fishing any day of the week than play, you know, a sport that I was even great at. Like, you know, I played football and basketball and lacrosse all through high school. So, you know, it just stuck with me. And it, it, it's more exciting to me than anything I've ever done. Okay. Yeah, I I, uh, I definitely have seen that you got. You know, I mean, if I go back and you look into uh, ICA's past <laughs> records, you know, they got they got records for quite quite a ways back. And I seen some pictures of both of you guys when you were, you were pretty young. So I know you've been doing it for a while, and you know you've you've had uh, you have family members also that are still in it, or or, or some of them are. I've, I've not seen Casey's dad in any, any tournaments that I know of. So I don't. Is your dad just done fishing them, or he just he he can't commit to the schedule anymore. He go me and him go and and we go for some fun sometimes. We take a trip down Wheeler every winter for a week and uh, those kinds of things. But he just he works so much in the summertime and thing when the tournaments are going on, he can't commit to it. Yeah. Uh, we got another question for you. It says. Uh, from I believe it's my buddy Alan. He asked if you only use big fish or big baits for big fish. Uh, that that really um, for me last week, you know, at Rising Sun, we were you know we were marking a lot of fish, uh, you know, but we weren't getting the bites. And you know, Casey said, "Man, I'm gonna throw on a small bait." And you know, it wasn't even ten minutes later that he threw on the smallest bait that we put on all day that he caught a 31 pound blue. So, you know, it kind of just depends on the situation, the bite. You know, when it's on, you know, we will throw big baits or big fish out. But, um, you know, when it's kind of slower, uh, you know, I would not be afraid to throw on a small piece of bait and, you know, know nope. that I could catch fish on it. What's your definition of small? Was it like a one-by-one-inch square of shad, or, I mean, what was small to you? I normally fish with something, I don't know, uh, I'll take a 10 or 12-inch, you know, moon eye or skipjack or... And I'll cut it into two or three sections. And I'll, so I don't know. I'm fishing with three and four inch, five inch sections. I'm not afraid to put the whole fish on there. We'll fish with 10 and 12 inch baits sometimes. We'll fish with the whole fish. 
But a lot of times I'm cutting a skipjack into three pieces, or I'm cutting you know a shad into two, or fit, cutting it whole. But uh, the piece I had him in me last weekend, it was just a probably a one inch by one inch piece of the tail, and we couldn't catch anything, and it was just real high high pressure, and it was just a bad day of fishing, you know. It was a big cold front blew in, bluebird, and we put that little on there, and bam, we caught that 31 pounder, he saved the day for us. Hey, uh, Chris. Yep. I got a uh, question on Facebook. Um, Lee Reed asked me a question to ask Casey and John if uh, what's their preferred way to cut their baits up. I think they use spoons. Spoons. <laughs> okay. <laughs> Sorry. Well, since I <laughs> the bait, um, you know, I, I cut it. I try to make it into like quality sections. You know, I try to make the most out of every bait that we have. Um, I would say on average, most of our bait is like, you know, three inches. And, uh, you know, depending on the type of bait, I always want to, you know, put like the center section on um, and make sure that I got a decent amount of like, you know, all the good stuff, the, the guts. And, then, you know, when we're using the head, I want to make sure I leave, you know, a portion of the, the like, you know, the liver or something hanging out the outside of the head. And, and there's days where uh, we... I clean out the bait cooler every day. Every time when we get home, I'm the guy that cleans out the bait cooler. And uh, you know, there's there's times where we come home, like we come home from the Rising Sun tournament, and I open up the bait cooler, and there's 25 middle sections of skipjack in there. And I'm like, well, that that don't tell you what we were catching them on. When we're catching them on heads, that's what he's he's. I'm cutting them all heads, and that's if they're biting on the whole ones, that's what I'm putting out there. And it just depends. You got to really tune into that in the tournament because sometimes. Certain sections will outfish the other section throughout the night by far. Yeah, the the adaptability in a tournament I think is a, is a big thing, and it's something that you might say a lot starting out, but the actual practice of it and, and getting to where you start, you know, really thinking of doing things different than what you've done the whole beginning of it, and figuring out, you know, if if it could be the the depth of the water that you're fishing, the type you know, the, the type of bait you're using, the cut of bait that you're using. Um, there really is a lot of, of things that you have to be able to adapt to on the fly during a tournament. You guys agree with that? or? Oh, yeah. I mean, it it changes. It can change hourly. And if the weather changes a lot for us. We notice that when the weather patterns are changing, that's when the fish bite. And uh, it's just it's a matter of putting yourself in the right spot because the fish don't bite the whole tournament sometimes. Sometimes they only bite for that last hour, or they yeah. only bite for the couple hours. And that's a that's why you always want to put yourself in the in a good spot the whole time because you never know when they're going to bite. I've definitely had tournaments where I thought that I was going to skunk and in that last, you know, you're sitting there and you're you're eking out the last minutes of a tournament and you can pull in four fish within 20 minutes. I mean, I've done it. You know, I mean, it's not ideal, but there's times where you'll take it. <laughs> yeah, that happened to us last weekend at Rising Sun. Um, it was a tough day. We only had two fish in the boat, I think, mm -hmm. you know, maybe for 15 pounds. And, uh, you know, we had gone probably five hours without catching a fish, so it was uh, a big lull. And then, you know, we just never gave up. We went back to where we knew that we had caught fish and, you know, we knew what had worked, and we just put the baits back down there. And, you know, in the last 45 minutes or less, you know, we caught three quality fish. 
Ron Strader said to John, thanks for mentioning him. <laughs> he, he says he taught you everything you know. <laughs> he makes the sinkers for us. <laughs> and we also have we got another question from Jason Kindred. He asked, uh, do you guys fish shallow or deep in the fall? Deep. I I, fit, I love to fish deep. It, if I'm fishing in the river, I'm typically going to fish the main river channel. I'm going to fish deep all year round. Uh, all year round. I I hardly ever target fish in shallow water. Um, if in a reservoir, it's a total different story. We fish a lot of reservoir tournaments and things like that, and that's I love catching fish in shallow water. I I wish somebody could would teach me how to catch 50 pound blues and in five foot of water. That would be a blast. And, but I just can't I can't do that on the Ohio River, so I'm always fishing deep. Um, another question from the chat came in. It says, do you guys ever use bait that's out of the norm from what you can get on the body of water you're on? Um, we get a lot, you know, like, I guess, for example, we use a lot of creek chubs on the Ohio River, which I guess you can't get very easily down there. Really, um, we stick, you know, with the main three, you know, or yeah, and or sometimes, you know, we'll throw a bluegill out there every once in a while, but you know, we usually stick with the shad or the skipjack or the moon eye. Just try and match the hatch what I know is out there. Yeah, I, I was I was hearing from a lot of people. I actually, and just so people know, the the Rising Sun tournament here recently, uh, Casey and John got second place in, I believe, last year. What place did you get? Like third or fourth or something? Uh, last year we finished in like twentieth place. We we oh did you? We we skunked on the second day for the most part. Yeah, we okay. were in fourth on the first leg of it. Yeah, it was monsters on the Ohio last year, second place. Uh, Rising Sun this year they got second place. Um, Rising Sun's a two-day tournament on the Ohio River up north in uh, uh, Rising Sun, Indiana. Um, I I know that. Down there, I mean, I I've, I went down, let's say, a, I can't remember if it was a day or two days early, but I went down to catch bait myself, and I was skipjack fishing, and, and I was catching them little, uh, what, four to six inch skipjack, and a lot of the fish I think that I caught might have been on them skipjack, you know, and I, I had no problem putting them in my cooler and using them. Um, I definitely had the bigger frozen skipjack, but... Um, the the fresh versus frozen thing is, I think it's a huge huge deal. I mean, one of the, well, I think it was last year or the year before last, I was using hardly anything but frozen bait. And and my my basic big note to improve upon my fishing for the next year was that I needed to start using fresh bait more, a lot more than what I did that year. And I definitely think that it it has definitely improved. The amount of fish and the, the type of fish that I'm catching, so um, it's it's definitely uh, I think with what they're saying, you know, they spend a lot of their time, you know, bait fishing before any tournaments. They're you know they spend so much more time on bait fishing than they do pre fishing or anything. So that's the number one thing, man. Fresh fresh bait. I can't preach it enough. That I'd assume stay at home. And, and sit on my couch and watch football than then go to the fishing tournament or show up to monsters without fresh bait or a turn just any tournament in general and, and to the guys I know it's tough to go out and get fresh bait and you don't always have the time but 
anybody can go out to your local little pond and catch yourself 10 or 15, 20 bluegill to take real quick. That doesn't take a professional to do that or anything. And I'd rather, you know, if you can't go get it, that's what I would do. And that that's going to improve your fishing so much more. Yep. Um, before we go on, I'm going to go ahead and do the, uh, the angler spotlights that I have. Um, I got five more guys that I'm going to say thanks for posting on Catfish Weekly's Facebook page. Uh, Jim Trout, Mark Jones, Chris White, Kelly Pinnell, and Justin Clark. Thank you to you guys for posting on there. Uh, keep posting. We really, we really appreciate you guys posting on there. The fish that you're catching, the kids catching fish, um, it's it's great stuff. So keep posting on there, everybody. If 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 uh, if you post on there, most likely get your name talked called out here on the on the show. We'll 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 uh, um, applause you for for doing that for us and and everybody else. There's a lot of people that like to look at those pictures. So keep keep it up. And thanks again to all of you guys. Now, back to the uh, questions. Uh, Seth McAllister in chat asks, uh, "Can you go into can you go into it a bit more on what differentiated you guys from some of the top teams at the Rising Sun tourney? It was a hard tournament, and he'd be curious to know some of the tips for the newcomers to the tourney scene." Uh. All right, well, I don't know if there's really too much that made it set us apart differently than I know that on we had the fresh bait for the tournament. We had fresh bait. That's, I'm going to preach that the whole time. And the first day, we did good. We always we have a spot out there that we could seem to consistently catch 50, 60, 70 pounds of fish off of. It's a good spot. But we always go back the second day and can't catch anything. So this year, we, we decided we were going to go the second day and go somewhere different. And we didn't catch anything all day. And uh, we went back to that first spot where we normally catch them, and we did catch them. I know that uh, on Friday night after the tournament, we didn't stick around at the weigh-in to see everybody's results and everything. We waited till the next We didn't even know what place we were in until the next morning because um, we went back out on the river and stayed out and caught bait until, like, I don't know, probably 10 o'clock at night before we even got back off the river. So I don't we had really fresh bait for the second day. I caught it in between the tournament, in between the two days. Now, I know that there's a lot of guys that didn't do that. A lot of guys went back to their hotel and, and went to dinner and all those things, but I didn't. I ate a ham sandwich, and I went fishing. <laughs> yeah, that's. I mean, I, I, I've definitely, you know, I'm, I fish against you guys a lot in Indiana, and, and you're one of them teams where I'm always like, good, I just want to beat them. But I respect the crap out of you. I mean, you guys are are such great fishermen that you know, like I've told you before, I I can only hope to to go out with you and learn from you over the years, and and hopefully uh, there'll be a time or two that I get to be sitting in front of you on the leaderboard on a tournament or something. You know, <laughs> you know I'm like, sure. Go ahead. I said I'm sure it'll happen, Fud. I mean, it's you've beat us before. I know you have. It, it might have happened, but <laughs> I definitely I want I want to see it. You know, I want to see it on a big tournament. I want I want to you know I want to know the things that you know you guys are doing and, and that I'm doing. I'm I'm working my way up. You guys have put the time in. I can't say that I've got that time in yet. I mean, I'm working to it, but that's all I can ask is you know go out, put my time in, try to figure things out. 
you know, learning things like the way you guys learned as well. You said you went out to the river yourself and just sort of figured it out. And, you know, I've been putting a lot of time in on the Ohio River myself and trying to figure things out. And that's, you know, there is no magic button to go out there and just be able to catch fish. You really got to, you got to have, uh, you got to have the knowledge. You got to have a little bit of that luck. There's a lot of things that come into it, but I, like I said, I respect you guys. You guys are great fishermen. So, um, let's see what else do we got for you? anybody Anybody else want to chime in on anything? You guys thought of anything else to talk about? Chuck, Lyle, I'm reading the questions from other guys on Facebook. Hang on. Okay. What's your uh? I know on that 1198, I actually sold you the 1198. Have you used uh, um, the side imaging? I can't remember what you had before that. Or is that the first side imaging unit you've had? The first one I had, that's the first side imaging I had. I had the 597 before the down imaging. But, uh, yeah, I use the side imaging a lot just to check structure and to look at it and not so much to find fish. I'm not on my graph to find fish. I'm using it for structure and uh when we're drifting, I can see my baits. I see the fish. I know if there's fish there. And, you know, them fish come up and nose up and go back down. We'll keep going through the, through there until they're going to bite. Because, like I said, they don't always bite. In my, they only bite, bite for a couple hours. But when they do, if you're there, you'll catch them. Now, if you, if you like, drift over a spot where you mark a, a couple good fish and you, you don't get a bite, but you may, you may see that fish come up and check it out, Will you turn it around, come back up over it, switch baits out, or change depth, or do anything to to get that fish, or are you just going to keep on trucking down the river? Uh, I'm just going to keep trucking, but I, you know, I it's in a, con a controlled drift, so I'm only going so far. If uh, I got it mapped out how far I want to go through there, if I marked it, you know, several fish all the way through there, I might go through there again. And, but if not, I might go on to the next one. It just depends. Uh, we also got the question on uh, last on that Rising Sun tournament. What was you catching your fish on? Was it on Moon Eye or, or Skipjack or Shad? It was on Moon Eye. All on Moon Eye. Now, there's a lot of people that might not know what a Moon Eye is. A Moon Eye is a lot like a Shad. Um, it can be a tough fish to catch down on the river. I mean, there there can be signs of them and there cannot be signs of them, and you can just basically take a a bobber, a small ultralight pole with a cricket on it, about two foot under a bobber, and go out there and and just throw it around current seams. And you know, I don't know if 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 Johnny and Casey got some more information on catching moon eye if they want to share it or not. But you guys got anything? Hit or miss thing. It took us took us two or three years to learn how to catch them, and it and it's still hard for us sometimes. Um, they're, they're rarely in the same place twice, we've noticed from day to day. Like, if you catch them here one day, you're probably not going to go back there the next day and catch them. Uh, so it's just being able to go out and, and try to hit several spots for them. That's the, the number one thing I could say about the moon eye. Um, it, it's all about the time of day you're doing it, too. Everybody says fish for them at nighttime. We can't hardly catch them at nighttime. We catch them in the morning time. And when the sun's going down, you can, we can't catch them during the middle of the day. And uh, if you're not in the right spot at the at the peak of the bite, you're not getting them. It's just like skipjacks. Sometimes them skipjacks, they only bite when the sun's going down and when it's coming up. The moon eyes seem to be the same way. 
yeah, I've I've got into them like that. Mine's my experience has been about the same that that early morning, that dusk and dawn bite, you know. Um, and uh, different places, you know, like uh, some stretches of the river seem to be better for them than others. We've definitely gone to places and not caught any, and then go a couple pools up the river the next day and caught you know twenty or thirty of them in a day. Have, now what do I'm I'm pretty sure I know your answer, but what have you heard anything about using Moon Eye Frozen? Because I've I've heard that that they're just as good frozen as they are fresh, but it's kind of hard for me to buy that. Uh, it, you know, they unthaw pretty well, um, you know, and I can't say that they work better frozen or fresh. Um, if I had to choose some, but it, yeah, obviously, you know, we would want them fresh, but they do unthaw pretty well. Have you guys have you guys went out and caught a bunch and froze any of them? Oh yeah. Yeah. I mean, if I was gonna unfreeze something, that's what I want to unfreeze. I think it stays better than the skipjack or the shad by far. I mean, I'm, I, like I said, I'm that 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 bait that I bring home and freeze. That's the stuff that we use when we're out there pre-fishing, just messing around and going down there for fun. We're catching fresh bait for the tournament. Now you mentioned, you know, just just to help everybody out, you mentioned not letting your bait get wet in your cooler. How exactly do you go about keeping your your bait not getting wet, but yet still on ice. Well, we typically put a layer of ice down at the bottom of the cooler, and um, we put the cooler on a tilt so that the water is constantly draining out. Or if we see that, you know, if we put the the drain plug back in it, you know, we will, you know, every hour or so drain that water out and you know kind of move the fish around on the ice so that they're not on the bottom sitting in the water. Okay, because I've I've heard like some people say they'll take a towel. Uh, you know, put a towel on top of the ice, and the towel will get wet as it as it melts, and yet it won't hold as much moisture in it too. So I didn't know if you guys did anything like that or. Hey Casey, when y'all uh, when y'all come down here on your uh, winter trips to Wheeler, do you ever bring Moon Eye with you down here, or y'all just uh, use Skipjack when y'all come down? Just the Skipjack down there. You never a... tried Moon Eye on on the Tennessee River down here. I tried it one time and uh I didn't catch anything on it, man. I fished all day with what with I had a couple I brought with me and I didn't catch anything. And but the skipjack seems to take the the helm down there. Oh yeah. Um, on some strategies um, for your tournaments, if you go to a uh, body of water that you've never been to before, um, and y'all don't have very much time to fish, um, and you, you show up on a Friday night, you got time to get bait. Uh, but what's usually y'all's strategy uh, when y'all are leaving the ramp the next morning? Uh, do y'all already have stuff planned out on Google Earth and, and look at the Navionics if it's mapped out and stuff like that? Or y'all just hit the river and uh, just get that gut feeling on where to go? If we've never, if we've never been somewhere, uh, I'm definitely going to look at Google Earth. I'm going to get a map of it and I'm going to check out the map and... Normally we'll look at the map together and pick out a spot. That'll be our, our choice where we're going to start. We also look try to think about the time of the year where the fish are going to be, so that'll help us with the spot. You know, the fish constantly are changing where they're going to be. So that with the uh, Navionics and then um, the 1198 has the all the contours on it. That helps a lot having the contours and uh, just. Just having a knowledge of what the fish are doing really helps to pick a spot too. You know, they they're constantly changing what they're doing. 
do uh, do you take uh, cold fronts in consideration, uh, and not just the time of year? If if a cold front's coming through, um, and y'all had one plan, do y'all totally uh, redo your strategy because of the weather conditions, because of what you've seen a fish pattern like in the past? Mm. Not not really. Uh, I'm gonna say I, I'm gonna fish the same place. I think the cold front just makes them not bite. I don't necessarily think it it, it moves the fish. I think it just it kind of makes them not bite. Now if the river comes up 10 or 15 feet or something in a couple days, or uh, the current changes dramatic, you know I'm cha I'm moving spots. I'm gonna go somewhere else. That's good. Uh, we have uh, another question. Is there any chance of you guys traveling uh, west to fish the Missouri River or some states like Nebraska or Kansas or any, anything like that in the near future? I mean, I would love to go up to Nebraska and fish, uh, what is that reservoir the, called? The Calamoose Reservoir. We want to go fish for the channels. The, I know that Cabela's has that tournament up there in Nebraska every year where they fish for them channel cats, them 20-pound channel cats. I think that would be a blast. Yeah. But other than that, man, it's kind of hard for us to commit to traveling to those big waters with my boat. You know, I only have a 17-footer. I'd like to get in a bigger boat. That's what I'm looking for. That's what I need. I need to get in a bigger boat. I'm going to try and get that taken care of here. And, uh, but we just can't commit to travel somewhere where we know the water is going to be bad. We might not be able to fish. It's just not. That's just not financially smart to do that. Yeah, and and from what it sounds like is fishing like the Missouri or Mississippi or whatever it is over there pushing nine mile an hour that can be scary in a, in a little John style boat like yours. Yeah, you, I don't. You, would you want to go out with me in in nine mile an hour current fun? No. <laughs> well, I probably would. You know how crazy I am. I probably would. <laughs> You've seen me pile through some some stump fields in my boat like five mile an hour. Do do do. Better watch out! I'm coming. <laughs> yeah, the hard part's when you get hung up. It's a uh, <laughs> drag peeling right there. Yeah, the uh, we we're talking about like the monsters on the Ohio coming up. Um, now your plans to go down there and and pre-fish? Are you going to be there a few days early? Or are you going to show up a day early? Or uh, that all just kind of depends with work. Uh, I'm gonna I'm gonna definitely go down a couple days early. I'll be down there probably on a Wednesday, Wednesday uh, pre-fishing and bait fishing. I'm gonna definitely do some pre-fishing. There's several areas of the river I want to check out. I I know the stretches through there. I know where I like to fish, but it's just where they're at certain times of the year. And then uh. I'm gonna try and make Johnny take off of work, but he's kind of he's not he's not too keen on it. He will he just can't take off of work as as much as me. So yeah. we're we're gonna try and get him down there on Wednesday because I need him back there to help me find the fish. Now, do you guys already have a game plan put together, or are you gonna adjust, you know make that decision once you've been out and sort of looked at the water a little bit, or? I'm gonna probably just try and. You know, probably do the same thing we did last year. Same time of year. Hopefully, the weather's starting to turn for the cooler now. Uh, hopefully, the fish will be where they were last time. I mean, that that's my that's where I'm gonna start. That's where my week will start at is checking that place out. Okay. Um. Let's see. We got more questions. 
online or on the chat here. Um, what's your favorite hooks? What's your what type of line do you use? What type of leader line do you use? Um, you know, we almost always just run with the ADOT Gamagatsus. Um, you know, we've tried a couple other hooks, and, and you know, it, it just doesn't feel right almost. And, and you know, we've missed a couple fish on some other hooks, and we just typically stick with the Gamagatsus, and um, we usually run um, 80 pound braid, um, Berkeley big game braid, and a 60 pound leader. So you use a nice thick mono leader, or is it a braid leader as well? Yeah, we use the uh, a Berkeley big game uh, mono leader. And then what kind of braid is it that you use? Um, I do believe it's the same, isn't it? It's, it's an 80 pound Berkeley. Uh, Power Pro. Power Berkeley Pro. Big Power Pro. I mean, I've used a couple different kinds. I've used some offshore braid too before, some saltwater braid, some 80 pound saltwater braid. I really like that too. Um, Power Pro most of the time. Well, I hope you guys don't have any of the problems I've had with some of them Gamagatsus lately. I've had, I mean, I've had a few problems with them. I've had the, the tip. I mean, I've got one sitting right here on my desk somewhere. The tip's completely broke off on it, and that was on a fish during a tournament, and it would have been a, you know, I had him up on the back of the boat, and it was a, it was a decent fish because it was in that same pool that was uh, Rising Sun. It was in that Markland pool. It's the Markland pool, right? Above yeah, um, above yeah. Markland would be that pool, right? Yeah, that Markland pool. I mean, it was a decent fish I had on there. It broke off, and I, I just started missing a lot of fish on them. And you know, I loved them too. I really did. I loved the Gamagatsu. I liked the 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 diameter of them. It felt like it was a good diameter. It was easy to to penetrate a, a lip, and you know, sturdy enough to to hold the fish. But once I started missing fish on them, man, it just it just seemed like it just kept happening, kept happening, and I switched over, and I've been using some uh, um, Charlie Browns and then the Team Catfish Double Actions, and so far, so good. I've seen where a lot of guys are having problems with the uh, Gamagatsus, but yeah. you know, we haven't had any problems with them yet. We've uh, yeah, until you know, you caught do. <laughs> over 50 pounds on them. I've caught 70 and 80 pound fish on them, and uh, I've... Uh, I mean, the tip's bend every now and again if you get it snagged in a rock or something, but I've never had a problem with them on a fish breaking. And I, I've had some fish fight like crazy, and I just, I don't know. I see guys show tips of them broken all the time, and, and um, I'm. It's, it's probably just it. bad batches. I mean, from what I hear, you know, they just have bad batches on them and stuff, but, you know. It, it worries me. You know, I worry about it because I see I see all these things about it, and I've been on Johnny this year saying, "Hey man, we need to try some new hooks. We need to try some new hooks." But they just they haven't let us down, so it's it's hard for us to change, and we haven't really found a, a hook that we like as well. Yeah, I, I honestly I would have never changed, and until they started really, you know, I felt like I just even even after I've had the tip break on me and and a couple other, you know, where I just I had the fish on and they just come off and things that just they weren't normal, you know. They weren't typical for what I've seen from using them for the past three or four years, and and uh, you know, it, it was even after that stuff had happened, it was still hard for me to to say, you know, all right, I'm done. I'm, I just can't keep dealing with it, and you know, 
So I hope it doesn't happen to us in the tournament where where it lets us down because man, I've I've stuck behind them because I've used them for so long. I've stuck behind yeah. them for years. Uh, but that hasn't let us down, and I hope if it does let us down, it doesn't happen in the tournament. You know, we'll see. Hey, Alan told me he said my fishy my fishy uh, my fishy song might be scaring away the fish. Because there's a few guys that know it, like Scott. You you probably heard. It's not a song. It's more of a fish call. But you know, and if you're on a lake with me in the middle of the night, you'll if you're anywhere on the lake, I don't care how big the lake is, you'll probably hear it too. <laughs> but anyway, so what do we got? Got any more questions on uh, face on Facebook there, Lyle or? No, nope, that other one was a statement. It wasn't a. Uh, it wasn't a question. You, uh, you guys, uh, Johnny's not going to be able to go down uh, early uh, as you are, Casey. Is that my understanding for the monsters? Yeah, it looks like I'm probably not going to be able to get off until uh, you know Thursday night or Friday. I'll I'll definitely be able to get Friday off, but well, then, then maybe I get down. There. Maybe Casey can jump in the boat with Cindy and I, and we'll go out and mark some of the fish that you guys are going to fish, and then I'll have them on our depth finder, and, and maybe I can see you guys when you're fishing, and I'll have to be looking around to see where you're at. <laughs> if I do that, you're going to beat me to the spot, because I probably have the slowest boat in the tournament, honestly. No, 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 I doubt that. You know, we, we used to have a really, really fast boat, and then... It wasn't comfortable us to fish out of it. We bought another one, and uh, I, I would bet that you probably could outrun our boat. It doesn't go very fast. It's pretty steep and comfortable to fish out of. Uh, last year at Monsters, I know that we ran for almost it was almost two hours before we started fishing. Oh, man. That's a long ways. Yeah, yeah. You, you think that the big structure spots will be the key down there this year? Yeah, yeah, well... There's, there's, I think there's five or six key areas that, uh, that'll be where the bigger fish are gonna come from. But then again, you know, some of these guys are now they're showing up with these, with these boats with the three hundreds on them and the Lunds, and uh, they're running, you know, miles a hundred, eighty, ninety miles down river and stuff. So there's endless opportunity if you want to go that far. Yeah, yeah, and I'll tell you, this year. Uh, we talked about this before, and I don't know how uh, if you guys followed the show at all, but uh, there's been a lot more quality fish caught in the Owensboro area this year than I've ever seen before. You know, pictures of them and videos and different things. Yeah. I, so I, that's, that's a good thing. I know it's good fishing down there through Owensboro, but I hardly ever I hardly ever fish down through there. I'm always either up near the Candleton Dam or down near the uh, what's that the Newburgh Dam, Evansville. Uh, That's all real good through there. So do you like dam fishing? I, I do, but I I, I like uh, the drift fishing too. So uh, yeah, yeah. I you know I we do a lot of drift fishing, but you know I I really. Personally, I like fishing around the dams. I like it a lot. Uh, there's so many dams on the Mississippi to choose from, and I guess the Ohio is the same way, but uh, uh, the success that you get from drifting just uh, in the summertime, especially far outweighs it. Oh, yeah. 
There's nothing okay. better than look back in the back of the boat and I got to tell Johnny that his rod's touching the water. <laughs> <laughs> you, got, you, got, you don't got to nudge him and be like, wake up or anything, do you? That's not, uh, not, not wake Never. up, but uh, <laughs> I got to tell him sometimes, man. There's been, there's been several so, times where he's... So are you guys drifting with your rods on a holder or are you back bouncing or... It kind of varies. Um, a lot of times we are in a holder, though. Very, very little bumping, man. The, the, just the current, the current isn't strong enough for us to do a lot of bumping. Right, right. A lot of the, a lot of the time, uh, you know, and I, and I, and I don't mean this in a bad way, but you know, to me, the Ohio is fishing the Ohio River is a lot like lake fishing, and and, and for the most part, you're dragging baits uh, instead of back bouncing. Uh, or that's what I've noticed. The current is so slight down there. Nearly every well, every time I've ever, I've never been down there with that any amount of current. But uh, you know, when we're sitting up here on on one of my rivers, uh, you're you're heading the trolling motor up river, and you're just trying to slow the the current speed, the drift down. We're down there. Sometimes there's not enough current. You're actually pulling the baits down the river, just you know, to get get them to move enough. Uh, so uh, I didn't know if you all bounced or, or used hand rods or you just basically left them in rod holders and, and went that way. Up we at the dam, at the, we, we use a lot of hand rods at the dam. You know, when you can get it up there in that hydro unit and stuff like that, there's a lot of current pumping out of those dams still. We'll, we'll get it up there and bounce around with some hand rods. and We've caught a lot of fish doing that, but it, that's just so hard to do in the tournament because there's there's normally, you know, 10 or 15 boats up there with you. Right, right. And it'll be that way this time if there's any fish up there. Of course, pardon me, if there's not any fish, then it won't be that way. If if, if the fish are not underneath them dams, them guys won't hang around long. No, not at all. We have a couple more questions in the chat. Um, one of them was, how did you guys get started out as partners? I really don't. I can't tell you. I think Casey's old partner couldn't make it to a tournament and I filled in for him and then we fished, you know, we started three people on a boat and then the other person, you know, got a job to where he couldn't fish and we kind of just linked up and, you know, we were doing really well together and we always fished against each other. We fished, he fished with his dad and I fished with my dad. So that, that's probably how we got into it the most is we decided that we were going to take on our dads and then we started beating our dads all the time and <laughs> they got upset. <laughs> do we, another question we got from Scott was that do either of you uh, ever hope to make a career out of catfishing? I I think both those would be in heaven to fish, you know, to be a professional fisherman and get paid to do this. Uh, you know that that's like a a lifelong goal for me almost. I'm gonna always I'm gonna always catfish. So if I mean if the if the sport ever got to that level, yeah, I mean, I'd be right there with it, hopefully. Do you so, think you'll ever get there? If if the sport gets there, it's all about if the if the we concept. if we can get the the sport to get to where something like bass fishing is, then that, yeah. That's what, that's what I mean. Do you think the sport will ever grow that much? I think it will if we can get the conservation right, because the way that people react to you know when we pull those big fish out of the live wells. You know, if we can get 
the conservation right and we can get more and more people seeing like wow these fish are huge you know I think that the draw to the sport will just continually grow but I think it all is going to be dependent on the conservation of the sport for the fish yep Con conservation the image you know if if you guys haven't watched a lot of the episodes of Catfish Weekly we've talked about um, image uh, conservation we talk about both of those things quite a bit and that's because you know we want to see the sport grow and image is a big thing I mean we've talked about it a few times already um, you know guys going out there you know especially big tournaments and and you know getting pictures taken in weigh-ins and stuff with no shirt on and and the hillbilly image has to be overcome I mean in order for us to grow this sport we can't have a, a a stereotype of a bunch of redneck hillbillies, you know, out, you know, and that's the only people that are fishing for catfish. So, so the image, you know, dressing in, in the in the jerseys, um, looking presentable, you know, acting presentable while at tournaments, that's all a, a big thing that that has to be worked on by everybody in order to push this sport that, to that direction. Awkward silence. Insert here. Well, you know, I, I still I agree with everything that that we've all been talking about on that situation. But you know, I, I just don't see the the big name sponsors uh, coming up with the new stuff for catfishing uh, to shell out the dough it takes to to be able to make a living catfishing. Other than guiding, you know, I just uh, the tournaments. Uh, you you can't have a ten thousand dollar tournament and expect to live on win one of those a year and expect to live on that. It it takes a lot more, a lot more tournaments and a lot bigger. And I just don't see the sponsorship money there at this time to do it. Uh, the you know it, it's going to take instead of these companies giving away a boat, they're going to have to give away that much cash. And I don't see them doing that right now. Well, in an equivalent size, you know, say, for example, the Rising Sun tournament that had 146 catfishing boats, had that been a bass tournament, what kind of money do you think you'd be talking with 146 boats and the sponsorships and things of a big tournament? I would be, I'd be guessing three, 400000 minimum. Yeah, I mean... And, uh, I, unless it was like an FLW event or a Bass Pro event or something like that, but uh, I, I don't know. You know, I also remember catfishing tournaments 10 years ago when $500 was the biggest payout you ever heard of, and now right. <laughs> and now we're fishing 10 years later, and they just paid out $37,000 at Rising Sun throughout the field. So, you know, and now you got monsters coming up and all these other tournaments. You know, so it's definitely it's, growing. You never know. Yeah, it's def you know, 10 years from now, it, it could be, you know, definitely evolved beyond where it's at now. And well, like I say, I just don't see any companies that will show. You know, the local companies where these tournaments are put on is where the money's coming from now. But for it to get big, you got to get uh, the boat companies or the, uh, the rod and reel companies or the ta somebody has got to be consistently throwing big money in there, and I just don't see any of them. Them guys doing it, you know, like Sea Arc. If they're or if they're going to give a a boat away, uh, that's great, and there's nothing wrong with doing that. I'm all for it. I'd love to win one, but but I'm just saying you got to have that kind of equivalency in cash because uh, 
you know, a lot of times, you know, well, Cabela's a few years ago, you know, instead of handing out the cash, they was giving out uh, gift certificates and, and certificates for trolling motors. Well, you can't cash that in after you spend your money uh, on gas and fuel and motel rooms and stuff. Uh, and if you sell it, you can't get out of it what the value of it is. So uh, until somebody steps up and throws the, throws the actual money out there, I don't see it getting, uh, you know, growing in rapid rates myself. One of the one of the things that needs to be done is there needs to be a lot more products aimed at catfishing. I think that's part of the problem is that there's not enough money in products for for the stores to be able to sell. I mean, even though what there what there is, they sell a lot of. I mean, I believe I've talked to a few people that have talked that have talked to you know higher ups in Bass Pro Shops and things like that and. Some of their top sales are in catfishing uh, equipment and gear and stuff, but there really isn't a lot of a variety. I mean, you go into you know any section of a store and look at bass stuff, you're going to see 400 different types of lures. Whereas, what is there for catfishing? I mean, you got this Charlie's dip bait. You know, you got a, a a treble hook and a few hooks here. And if there's a lot of products in order for them to be able to make money from, that's where you're going to start seeing this. Uh, the bigger prize money come from because there's more money for. I agree. So start it's thinking, start thinking up catfishing product ideas and start pitching them to companies and. <laughs> there you go. It's just about the bragging rights, guys. Right now, it's not about the money. Yeah. That's exactly right. If you if you're going into catfish tournament catfishing and you think you're gonna make a living out of it right now, you're just fooling yourself. You you got to be able to. To accept the fact that if you break even, you've done really good, and if you made money, you've done exceptionally well. And, and the the best part about it is, you get to get online or or go to the next tournament and walk up to Casey and John and say, "Hey, I kicked your ass," you know. Yeah. And, and and that's that's where the fun of it is, and that's what we all do. Instead, me and Chris and Chuck, we're sitting back there saying, "God, they these guys are kicking our butt every time we go. What are we gonna do to beat them?" <laughs> you know. But that's that's the way it is, and, and you get you guys and. And you've been very successful, and that's awesome for you. But you know, uh, I got to give a shout out to uh, Jeff Dodd and, and John Warden and Randy Dodd. They had a heck of a day last weekend. In case nobody's seen that, and uh, you know, right at 200 pounds on five fish down there. I believe they fish Wheeler and Rust of Oars, 180 or 90 pounds on five. You know, that's that's outstanding days. They and guys had too. Good job, guys. Definitely. Different fishery down there. That's awesome down there. Yeah, yeah, it is. It is. It is. It's a great place to fish. I'm sure it is. Uh, I'm not sure I'd trade uh, Mississippi River for it, but I have to go down there to, to be able to determine that for for sure. Yeah. Well, the, right the way, uh, go ahead, Chuck. Go ahead. Uh, the the direction that uh, a lot of the bass money is coming in now. You you'll see. Uh, you know, Toyota trucks. Um, you'll see these large insurance companies. Um, you know, a lot. You know, a lot of the stuff is uh, totally out of the really the bass type equipment. You'll actually see. Uh, you know, the different guys, uh, pro staff of different. Uh, you know, bass boat companies. You'll see the. Uh, you know, the Ranger pro staff guys, the Bass Cat guys. You know, the Skeeter guys, but. When you see these tournaments put together, you know, they're actually, uh, you know, sponsored by, you know, Geico. They're sponsored by Toyota Trucks, uh, you know. So, you know, the, just 
you know, a lot of people you talk to, um, we'll be at a service station going to a tournament, and people will come up to us and go, man, they have catfish tournaments? We've never heard of that. I mean, people don't even know um, that there's catfish tournaments out there. If it got on TV a little bit more, and uh, actually these larger sponsors seen that there was a market where they could actually uh, market their their services or their merchandise through these guys and, and have spectators show up, um, I think there would be a lot more people that would be interested, you know, pouring money into the sport. But until we can start getting records, getting more TV, um, you know, that, you know, there is actually people like You know, there's not too much we can do until then. Yeah, I, I, I've on many occasions, you know, I might go to a tournament with my wife or something. But when I sit and I look at it, and and I have a, you know, three-hour drive or four-hour drive, you know, pulling a boat. I got boat, you know, gas money for the boat, uh, tournament entry fees. Um, I, I look at it and I'm like, you know, if I got first place, I'm gonna break even. You know, I mean, that's just how much you got into it. So, you know, the likelihood of that isn't super great. So, it's definitely not about the money. It's definitely just about the catfishing and enjoying it. And and there, you know, there there's a lot of things that go on. And and I, I tell a lot of people this too that you know the guys that get into tournament fishing, you know, they really if if they let a lot of stuff get to them, you're really gonna not enjoy what you're doing out there and then as soon as you start doing that you know it you really just kinda shot yourself in the foot I mean if you're not enjoying it while you're out there tournament fishing I just enjoy the competition you know it's not about the money at all of course it's the bragging rights and, and just the fact that you're you're you yourself are getting better at the sport um, the challenge of it all you know that's that's what it's about for me I, I absolutely I, I think I dream about catfishing you know, I mean, I'm just, I love being on the water. I love having a rod and rod holder. <laughs> Chris, you're not the only one that dreams about it, man. I have, uh, I have usually have a couple weekly dreams about going out and catching a big one. <laughs> <laughs> Definitely. It, it's, 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 it's something I've done for a long time. I've, I, you know, my dad took me catfishing when I was young. We sit out on the Mississippi River Bank and, and, yeah. It didn't matter. He always would catch, you know, I'd have a nice fish on, but before the end of the night, when we, by the time we'd leave, he'd catch one just a little bit bigger than mine. Yeah, yeah me and my dad always have that competition when we go down to Wheeler. It's a, I caught the bigger one or he caught the bigger one. And, I, and then you... All right. Well, I think we're running a little over an hour now. Um, we'll go ahead and get the uh, closing statement started. Um, uh, Casey and John, if you guys want to thank your sponsors and have anything else you want to talk about, close us out, and I'll let everybody else do theirs, but you guys can start us off. Uh, I just, you know, I want to thank Steve Douglas, the Monster Rod Holders and stuff. He's you know, put a lot of uh, faith in us and supported us the whole way through. There's a lot of uh, FaceTime out there, and that helped us a lot. And uh, just, you know, I just want to thank all the support I get from my family and uh, from, you know, just the fellow fishermen that come up and just the kind words sometimes. You know, that's always nice to hear that. And, you know, I guess thanks for having us on the show tonight. 
if you guys see us at the tournament, don't be afraid to come up and talk to me. I'm not afraid to tell you what we're going to do or how we caught them or, or something like that. You know, I'm kind of shy sometimes. And it's hard for me to strike up a conversation with somebody new. So uh, we're, we're just friendly, man. We're just good old boys that like to go fishing. Yep. We appreciate you guys coming on. Definitely have, we'll definitely have to get you on again. Like I said, you guys are always, you know, doing well in these big tournaments and stuff, and there's probably lots of lots of things that you could uh, chime in on and have good information, and, and I think I think we uh, we really enjoyed having you on the show. So, again, thanks. Oh, yeah. Thanks for having us, guys. Yep. No problem. Chuck, do you want to do your closing statement? Oh, yeah, I want to I say thanks for uh, Casey and uh, John coming on tonight. Uh, I thought it was a great show, and um, this is going to be on uh, video archives. No uh, telling how many hits we're going to get on this over the years. There's going to be plenty of uh, young and upcoming guys who's going to be able to watch this stuff and get pointers from y'all. It was it was great for y'all, um, you know, letting people know, you know, how y'all get into it, what y'all do. Uh, it makes people want to go out and give it a shot. So uh, I really appreciate y'all being on. Oh, thanks. Thanks, man. Got anything else there, Chuck? Uh, no, we're gonna have a uh, we're gonna have our last uh, Alabama Catfish Trail tournament on Neely Henry, <laughs> but uh, we just found out that they're gonna be dropping the water four feet uh, around that time. So we're gonna have to find another ramp. Uh, because the ramp that we, that we was uh, that we put in for, uh, it's not going to be launchable during that time. Uh, the city of Gaston is working on some uh, bringing in some gravel and uh, having a couple of ramps ready for uh, some fishing tournaments and stuff. So um, I I think we know what ramp we're going out of, and we have already uh, you know made reservations to uh, have the tournament out of there, but. I'm not going to release anything until probably again next week to make sure everything's carved in stone really good. All right. Lyle? Uh, I want to thank you guys for coming on the show tonight. Hopefully we can catch up with you and get you on down there when we're in Owensboro and and uh, sit down and, and uh, maybe you can tell me where the fish are at in case I'm struggling. Uh, in case you don't know, uh, Janet and I have a Janet Fox and I have a deal going on about the Cardinals and the Reds cap for the team that finishes ahead of each other. So, you know, uh, it might be worthwhile to put me on some fish just so we can beat Janet and Bink. But uh, thanks a lot for being on the show. And, and uh, uh, I just want to remind everybody that uh, this weekend in Quincy, Illinois, will be our last regular season tournament for Twisted Cat Outdoors. Uh, be the, qual the last chance you get to qualify for the uh, uh, Twisted Cat Outdoor year-end tournament in Keokuk, Iowa. So, uh Try to get up there and, and uh, go. I know there's some other tournaments in the area, but uh, uh, this is always a great place to have a tournament. A lot of a lot of good fishing up there and some great folks. So come out and see us at Quincy. Uh, launch at seven, weigh ins at three. Be at the Southside Boat Club. That's all I got. All right. Well, we have a couple spots, a few spots left for advertising on the CatfishWeekly.com uh, page. Uh, Indiana Hunter just re resubscribed for another three months with us, so we appreciate that. Uh, make sure you check that out. That link has changed recently, so now when you click on it, it'll take you directly to their YouTube channel. They have a lot of videos, uh, catfishing, bird hunting, going to be some deer hunting. Um, really cool guys. 
really good little shows that they put on. So check it out. Uh, also, the Catfish Magazine. That's our that's our top right uh, advertisement. Click on that. Uh, it's a free subscription to Catfish Magazine. It's a bi-monthly digital magazine, so it'll it'll send it right to your uh, email. And Catfish Weekly has a nice little article in this month's. Uh, with all of us and about the show and everything, and then from the following months, we'll always have an ad in that. Uh, definitely support them. Uh, a lot of good information in there. Um, we also have the super fan package still. Like I said, we're pro we didn't have a giveaway this month, but I believe we're going to have something good coming up next month. Uh, the super fan package, ten bucks. You'll you'll get an extra entry into any contest that we have. Uh, you'll get, uh, I think it's 15% off, or, or so, there's some sort of uh, deal going on for uh, Whiskerware Apparel. You'll get off of that. Um, you'll get uh, $20 off. I think it's $20 off for a Black Horse Custom Rod. That's what Lyle and Johnny need to do is take some of them winnings and buy them a, a Black Horse Custom Rod or two, get one <laughs> of them in their hands. <laughs> but... Uh, Definitely check it out. Go to the forums. We have a, a forum on there. Um, there's been some forums that have been closing down here lately. We'd love for people to come and, and make our forum uh, a more actively used forum. Um, put Post in their tournaments, and I'll probably add maybe a, a buy and sell a uh, little, little forum there. If there's a forum that's not in there that you'd like to see in there, just give me a message, and, and I'll see if I can't get it on there. Uh, but, yeah, like I said, we'd like to get like to get a lot of use in that forum, people using it and and, and taking advantage of it. So, um, also uh, for a tournament series, my my good friend Scott Wiseman is starting a new series next year. I believe he's calling it Who's Your Whisk Who's Your Whiskers, and that's going to be Who'sYourWhiskers.com. I believe he's going to be advertising with us. Um, so take take a look at his website. You know, if, if you're in Indiana and you want to fish a tournament or two, there are no membership fees. Um, it should be a decent little tournament to fish. So in the ICA, there's Brookville coming up this Saturday. It's a day tournament. Um, it is a points tournament. It does require a membership fee of $25, $60 entry fee. Um, I believe it's a 730 to 5 or 730, something like that. Um, you can look up uh, more information on that at indianacatfish.com. Um I believe that's all we have. So, again, I'll thank uh, Casey and John for coming on the show. Hopefully we'll get them on again, and uh, we'll get maybe get them on for uh, Monsters on the Ohio as well. Um, until next time, everybody, stay out of my spot. <laughs>